You are listening to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. Learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. With a passion for literacy and supporting teachers, here's your host, Megan Polk from Miss P's Style. Welcome back to another episode of The Literacy Dive, and today we are going to take a deep dive into running records. Now, running records are forms that we use to document our student reading behaviors, their errors when they're reading, their accuracy, if they are self-correcting, and we're notating their fluency and also their comprehension. And it is with these running records where we will be able to find a student's frustrational, instructional, and independent reading level. Now, we will typically use a running record at three major times of the year. That is the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, and at the end of the year. The beginning of the year being where we are first getting our students in our classroom and now we are having to determine what reading level are you on. So we will administer your benchmark assessment kit. You will take a series of running records and through these running records you will be able to find a student's instructional and independent level. So again, At these three major times of the year, we are using running records to support our data. However, running records actually are used all year long. And so maybe it's weekly, maybe it's bi-weekly, depending on how many students are in your reading group, but running records can serve as great informal observations in between those formal times of testing your students. And so I want to unpack what this whole running record business is about, what all of these boxes mean, what all of these letters and codings and numbers mean, and how you can best take a running record and not just keep it for showing what your students are doing, but actually taking the data from that running record and using it to drive your instruction when teaching your students. Now, can I just be honest with you for a minute? I just wanna walk you through my first years of teaching because I did not always have it all together and sometimes I still don't. But in my first few years of teaching, I tried to really go by the book. I looked at the books that I was given, I was paying attention in my coaching sessions, and I did the best that I could. Now, some of the boxes, I just kind of felt like, why are those there? I really don't need to use them. And maybe you kind of feel the same way. And some of the areas I just, in the, in the, the rush of trying to keep track of monitoring what my students are doing and taking notes and knowing that I have so many kids to test, I just kind of breezed over some of the components. Ultimately, my kids were pretty much grouped where they should be. I did reading groups really well, and I don't think I scarred any of my first three years of students. But if I did, I know that they are resilient and they bounced back after they left my classroom. However, I was voluntold in my fourth year of teaching to go to a reading training. 
Now, in my fourth year of teaching mind, I'm thinking, but I know how to do guided reading and I know how to do running records. So why are you sending me to this training? However, my team and I decided that we were just going to suck it up, go and, you know, have a great time away from school. Sorry, I'm just being completely honest with you right now. And so that's what we did. So I get into this training and they start talking about the running records. And here I am thinking, yeah, I know this part. But with any training to make it better because you're there, I always had it in my mind. If I can take one nugget away from this, then it is a win. I'm going to make this long story short and just leave you with this training in my fourth year of teaching. I learned so much more about the purpose of a running record. I, I couldn't even believe that there was so much more to learn. I thought I knew it all. And this just kind of brought me back to a place of sometimes we are doing the best we can and it is a good job, but there's always something more that we can be able to learn about the process and about the purpose of something. And that is what the running record was to me. So if you are similar to like I was in the beginning of doing the running records, but not really knowing what to do with them, then this episode today is for you. I am going to be referencing from a running record cheat sheet that I created and linked in the show notes, you can be able to grab your own copy of this cheat sheet as well as some running record forms. But I'm going to be referencing it. And since I know that you're probably on the go, just listen for now and you can always be able to grab that sheet, re-listen to portions of this and follow along. The first portion I want to talk about is understanding and coding any miscues. And this is when students make errors in their reading and we are trying to figure out, well, does that error actually connect to some type of strategy even though the error is still wrong? And so although there is a bit of controversy about these particular using meaning, using structure, and using visual within a writing record, I still like to reference them because that is how I learned how to do running records. Of course, there are a lot of decoding strategies that we also want to be able to notate if a student did, and those are great to be able to include in your observations as well anytime a child makes an error. But when we start with meaning, the M, That is going to be, if you see on your running record anything that says MSV, this is that portion if you had no idea what that means. So the M stands for meaning. And basically the only question to ask yourself is, does it make sense? This means that the error fits the context of the story or the text that the child is reading. For instance, in my example, I had wrote, Barry saw a child jumping in the bush. That would be the sentence that is in the actual text. So if a child read that sentence and said, Barry saw a kid jumping in the tree, that would be a clue to me that that child is looking at the picture 
and is using meaning. The child sees a kid in the book or on the picture and the kid is jumping in something that looks like a tree, although the word says bush. So for that, for those errors in that sentence, it can be said that the child actually used meaning because based on what was happening, that does make sense. It just wasn't the correct words. Then when we move into the S, this is for the structure or the syntax. And for this one, the question you ask yourself is, does it sound right? And this is when the error is using acceptable English when we think about grammar. So in that same example, Barry saw a child jumping in the bush. If your student said, Barry saw the child jump in a bush, well, that sentence sounds right. It's grammatically correct, even though some of those words were in the wrong placement and in the wrong format. The last letter V stands for visual. And we ask ourselves, does it look right? And this is a very common error that students make because oftentimes when they are reading, a word looks very similar to another word and they end up saying that word. So in this example, Barry saw a child jumping in the bush for that last word, if the child said bash instead of bush, well, that was off by just one letter. And the B, the S, and the H is in the same placement. And so those words really, really look similar. So we would say that the child made a visual error. Notating these types of errors is really, really important because this is where your teaching instruction and your teaching point will come in. If you are seeing that a child or a few children in your reading group are making the same meaning errors or the same structure syntax errors or the same visual errors, this is where your quick mini lesson and teaching point is going to be centered around. So if you are paying attention to the type of errors that your students are making, you are going to be able to design your lesson to teach against those errors and help them to become more aware when they are actually reading text independently. So how do we code these errors? What do these errors mean in the big picture of this running record? So there are a lot of different coding symbols that you are able to use when doing these running records. They are shortcut codes. And ideally, these codes are pretty similar even if you're using different benchmark kits. And so because of that, any teacher or academic specialist or educator should be able to look at a running record and be able to identify different characteristics of a student based on your coding. While there are several codes that you could use, I typically use about the same eight to 10 codes. And so those are going to be the ones that I will talk about briefly and going a step farther with understanding which of these errors that the student made, which ones 
are an actual error or which ones are not counted as an error. I am going to go through a few of the shortcuts and I'm going to group them by which of these shortcut codes is not an error first and then I will talk about the ones that are errors. So the first coding that is not an error is if the child is accurately reading. That means that the child is getting the words correct. That is not an error. You can notate that with a check mark or if you prefer you can leave it without a check mark and you understand yourself that those words are correct. The next coding that is not an error is repetition. There is a code by using a backwards arrow over the words that have been repeated. And if a child says the words correctly and then says those same words again, that is not an error, but you do wanna notate that the child did repeat the text because that is something that you can be able to address when you're working one-on-one. -on -one. Also, a reread is not an error. This is when you are not just repeating a set of words, but you might be rereading it multiple times. Maybe they say the same four words and then they go back and reread the whole thing again and then they go back and reread it a third time. If they are rereading, that is not counted as an error, but you do want to notate how many times that child went back to reread. And we do know that with timing, this is going to um, impact their fluency of how they are, how smooth they're reading and how quickly they're reading. So we definitely want to address that one-on-one -on -one with the child. If a child makes an error but self-corrects themselves, they do not need you to say anything, they stumble over a word, and then they go back and correct it, we will notate the word that was incorrect, and then we will label it with an SC, showing that the child used the self-correcting strategy, and that is not counted as an error against their score. And one of the last ones that I use is an appeal. And this is not an error unless a teacher told results from it. And an appeal is when a student just simply just doesn't want to try it. And so if they don't want to try it and you encourage them to just do your best, give it a try, just take it slow, and then they do try it and they get it correct, that is not an error. But you do want to notate that the child appealed that word, but then got it correct. Now let's jump into some of the codes that would result in this being counted as an error. A substitution. This is when a child is reading and they will substitute the word they are supposed to read with a word that may look similar or maybe it doesn't look similar at all. If they are substituting a word and they continue reading, that is counted as an error. An insertion. This is when a child is reading a text and there is a word that is not on the page, but they might insert something. So if it said, the dog ran, and the child says, the little dog ran, but the word little was not there, that would be counted as an error. Also going along with this is omission. This is when a child does not say a word that is on the page and they just continue reading. 
So if a child is supposed to say the word dog and skips the word dog and keeps on reading, then that would be considered an error and there is a way to code that. Then if there is a teacher told, this is where a child is saying a word incorrectly or skipping a word, but that is something that we do want them to, to remember. Maybe it is a common sight word that they keep getting wrong and we're going to tell it to them so that they don't continue getting that wrong. You would tell them the word, notate that where that told happened, and then that would count as an error. Again, with the appeals, if a student is saying that they don't want to try it and you have encouraged them to try it and they are not wanting to try that word, then you would say that they have appealed, they do not want to try it, and I've told them what the word is, and you would label that with a teacher told, and that would be an error. And the final is a reversal. This is one that um, students do a lot, and that is when there are two words and they read them out of order. So if it said no one saw it, maybe they read one no saw it. And just depending on how they're seeing the words, if they reverse it and do not make a self-correcting understanding that they made that mistake, then that would be counted as an error as well. There are three main rates that we want to find using the data from these running records. That is the accuracy rate, and that is going to be how accurate your student was in reading the text that they were given. That um, There is an error rate, and that is going to be looking at the percent, um, the ratio rather, of how many words they are getting wrong. And then there is a self-correction rate. And this is also a ratio of how many words they are on their own self-correcting. So I'm going to quickly walk through these formulas. And again, if you download this sheet, you will have the formulas right there in front of you. So at any given time when you're doing a running record, you can reference this cheat sheet and you can be able to easily find all of these different rates. To find the accuracy rate, you are going to look at the number of words that were correct. Let's say that a student got 115 words correct. And then you're going to divide that by the total number of words. Let's say that the sample that you had your student read was a total of 120 words. When you divide those two numbers, you are going to get 0.96. That decimal, you are going to multiply by 100 to get an accuracy rate of 96% for that section of text. The golden number of words that a child should read to really give them a fair shot at getting a very accurate accuracy rate would be between 100 to 150 words. So if it is a long section of text that you are having them read, using about 150 words is sufficient. If by chance the text that they're reading is less than 100, they should read the entire book or the entire text in order to find the most accurate accuracy rate. This accuracy rate is super important because it is going to give you a glimpse as to how your student is adapting with this text. Is the text too hard, meaning that it's frustrational? 
is the text just at the right place for you to instruct them, meaning that it's instructional. There's still some work to do, but it's not too challenging. Or is this level of text way too easy, meaning that they can read it independently and there is not much work for them to do? Finding the accuracy rate is going to give you a lot of insight into what you need to do in terms of grouping your students by level. Also, you want to pay attention to what level that student is on because the percentages for what would deem a student as instructional, independent, or frustrational will change slightly depending on if the text is considered more primary versus if the text is a bit more complex. Now let's find the error rate. So to find the error rate, the formula is taking the number of total words and dividing that by the number of student errors, and then you will derive at a number. So let's use the same example. Let's say that the total number of words was 120, and the student made five errors. When I divide 120 by five, I'm going to be left with the number 24. So we would write the error rate as a ratio, one colon 24. And this is just a way to say that one out of every 24 words, the child is making an error. The last rate that is worth really, really paying attention to is finding the self-correction rate. This is ideally where we want our readers to get to because even if they are stumbling over a word or making a common error, if they can find that they have made an error and they can quickly fix it on their own without us pointing it out, that is exactly where we want them to be. So to find the self-correction rate, there is a very simple formula. The formula is taking the number of student errors, adding that to the number of self-corrections the student made, and then dividing that by the number of self-corrections. So using the previous example, let's say that the student had five errors, but the student also had three self-corrections to those errors. We would do five plus three, which equals eight, and we are going to divide that by three, which is the total number of self-corrections. Then we're going to get to the number 2.67. So similar to error rate, we would write the self-correction rate by way of a ratio. And the ratio would be stated 1 colon 2.67, basically stating that for every two to three errors, the child is making a self-correction. So can you see how much like exciting information you can gain by listening to your students read and tracking this information. All of these are key components that are going to help move your guided reading groups forward, which are then going to help move your students forward. You are going to be able to intentionally plan for your groups, know exactly what your students are doing from the inside out, and be able to know what targets you can set for each of them and watch those different habits improve. It's also really important for you to be taking really detailed observations and including those notes 
on the bottom of your running record score sheet. This is going to be that whenever you have all of these sheets at the end of a day and you are trying to look at the student data and be able to figure out your best grouping scenarios by looking at some of your notes, if students have similar characteristics or similar reading behaviors, they might be great candidates to be placed into a reading group together. So the more that you can write down and don't rely on your brain. I'm telling you from firsthand experience, do not rely on you remembering what the student did because as you're listening to 20 different students, you are going to get confused. So take the time to write down anything that sticks out, whether your student is using their finger to read, whether they are reading at a slower fluency rate, whether they are using the pictures way more than what they probably should be using them for. Whatever it is that you are seeing that your students are doing as a growth point to where you can get them, you want to write down. At the end of a formal running record observation, you are going to have a series of comprehension questions about that text. And it is really, really vital that you are writing down the students' responses and scoring whether that child accurately understands and comprehends what they just read or not. Whenever you're doing informal running records, those are the running records that you're doing once a week or, or bi-weekly, they might not have true areas for comprehension questions to happen. You're just kind of getting a baseline off that reading data. But what I like to do is still ask a simple question about recalling the text and you can be able to notate whether they understood or whether they didn't. If you're creating your own new set of reading and you just want to see how they're doing with a text that they've not read before, you can then have a couple of pre-made questions and you can be able to gauge whether they had great, average, or not so great comprehension at the end of reading. There will be a place at the top of your running record sheet, no matter what version you use, where you are going to be able to write down the student's name, the grade, the date, who's taking the running record, the title of the book, the text level. And a lot of the time it is great to notate whether it is fiction or nonfiction because those texts do read differently. It is also great to um, write down the word count so that we can see how many words that child had to read. And it's great to also write down whether that text was familiar or unfamiliar. If it's familiar, it means that they might have read that book at your last guided reading uh, session and they are simply rereading it and you are tracking their, doing a quick running record to track how they're doing on a familiar text. If it is a text they've never seen before and you are wanting to grab some baseline data, then you would check unfamiliar and this means that They've not seen it before, and so there might be some areas where there may be some work to do. There will also be a space where you can write down how many errors, self-corrections, and a place for the accuracy rate, just so that you can have it in one area to quickly be able to see and pull for whatever your needs are. You are also going to be able to notate somewhere in that box, whether it is independent, instructional, or frustrational based on the percentage of accuracy. The last little piece that you do want to just always keep in your mind is the fluency. How does that child sound when reading? 
Are they stopping at punctuation? Are they using correct phrasing and intonation with their voice? How does it sound? Is it conversational like they're talking to a friend? So you can be able to score how it sounds when they're reading to you. Um, I usually use a system of a one, two, three, four. And that will kind of show you over time if their fluency is increasing or decreasing. And we always know that if they're reading a nonfiction text, their fluency may be a little bit slower due to the nature that it is not a story. All of the key takeaways and information I've discussed about running records will be in the show notes, as well as a link for you to be able to download the running record sheets and that handy cheat sheet that will be your best friend when you are at the guided reading table. So be sure to check those out in the show notes. Thank you for listening to The Literacy Dive. If you would like to connect with Megan, you can find her on Instagram at Miss Peace Style. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes of The Literacy Dive. Until next time.